When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are born free, and we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty Network. Of course, you might be listening on the Lions of Liberty Network where you're going to hear our all three of our shows. You'll hear Mark's show on Monday, Brian's show on Wednesdays, and mine on Thursdays. Or you could be listening on the Finding Freedom feed, which uh, is just me. Just me. You get this show every Thursday, and every Tuesday, uh, you get a show from the archives. And this week in my Rewind show, that's what I call the Tuesday show, the Tuesday Rewind, I played my interview with Lau May, who is a death row prisoner uh, in North Carolina. Just an absolutely incredible story, an incredible guy. Um just, I mean, the takeaways just on a, a human level, how someone can be in that position and turn such a trauma um, into a positive outcome, into having drive and motivation, waking up every day. In the, in the one part of the interview, um, we talked about, because there's so much he does, he does criminal justice reform work. He does, you know, interviews like he obviously he did my interview. Then he had one, I think, I forget. I want to say he said Columbia Law. He was also going to uh, be doing an interview with, uh, but also, hey, he writes books. He's written three books. He was working on another one. So he's all these tasks that he's knocking out and he's talking about how he keeps track by putting a garbage bag on the, on the wall of his cell. So if you missed that, if you didn't hear it the first time or the second time, uh, during this rewind, you can, you can grab it by going to, uh, my solo feed. I'll link to it on the show notes page at lionsofliberty.com. And uh, as always, whatever feed you listen on, um, if you enjoy this, please give a five-star rating, uh, leave a nice little review, and uh, put something funny in the comment or uh, ask a question because uh, we like to laugh and we also like to answer questions. So today's show is going to be a solo episode. And to my surprise, the solo episodes do very well. Um, it's something that I was a little uncomfortable with at first doing them just because I'm not in that rhythm of, uh, of preparing notes and, and, you know, all the reading articles and you know, getting up to speed to, uh, to do the solo show. <laughs> and sometimes I've done solo shows and not prepared at all. And I guess they turned out okay. But I did a, uh, a poll on Twitter and, you know, I asked like what kind of format you guys like the solo, the interviews with the criminal justice system, interviews with entrepreneurs, interviews with uh, something else. I forget what else I had on there. And solo show won by a little bit, but it, it was pretty split. So I think what I'm going to try to do going forward is give you guys a solo episode at least once per month. And then we'll see how that goes. So we'll have at least three interviews and, and one solo show. Uh, and, and just build off that and, and see where it goes. Cause for some reason you guys enjoy hearing what I have to say. And I, I, I have some good topics, some good ideas for this show right here. Um, I'm going to title the episode something like, and I might tweak this before I post it. Um, fake news flopped. Actually, that's not the title. The new title is, you know what? I can't even see it on the screen. See, this is, this is the problem with solo shows. I got it in StreamYard. And I can't see what it is, but it's something like, uh, you know, the, the fake news narrative flopped. And, uh, you know, now the propagandizers are using misinformation as their new weapon. And 
what this comes from, you know, we've such short memories and the past two years have just been insane being bombarded with uh, all of this COVID uh, hysteria and propaganda and information. And it's just been an overload. But if you remember back, just wait, just back in 2016, when a orange man was about to be elected president, uh, there was a, a woman who wore around burlap sacks who was running against him. And this woman at the time, um, I think her name was, uh, was Hillary, I believe. Uh, she was going around saying that all this stuff that Donald Trump was saying and his supporters were saying was fake news. She was saying, this is fake news. We have to stop the fake news. She was talking about when she got in office, the things she would do to, uh, to curb, to restrict fake news on platforms like podcasts and social media. And, uh, of course, the, the corporate media that, uh, she she doesn't agree with as well. And she started the fake news narrative. And Donald Trump said, hey, wait a minute. And that fake news narrative was was laying on the table. And he picked it up and he started beating her over the head with it. And then he looked at CNN and they were saying, hey, Donald Trump, what you just said is fake news. And he, he took up that fake news and he started beating them over the head with it. And he turned it around on them. So they stopped. That stopped the the, the uh the we- weaponization of fake news uh, to censor for a short time. Donald Trump's presidency happens. Of course, that was that was a cluster. Um, you know, the uh, the corporate press just devoured him. Trump was mostly a huge disappointment. Not that you know people who listen to this show uh, and myself, you know, included. Uh, not that we had high expectations for what Donald Trump, uh, you know, would accomplish. Um, he was an outsider and you thought maybe he'll come in, shake things up, but turns out he really had no balls and, uh, pretty much accomplished nothing other than a, a couple good things here and there. Um, you know, he didn't provoke wars with Russia, uh, w- which is nice. He did some nice things, uh, for criminal justice reform, uh, the first step act and, you know, set some people free, which is, uh, which is good. Um, but, but other than that, you know, really, when it comes to to wars, drone bombings, there, there was there was more than uh, more than his predecessors. Um, he did start the the clock to get us out of Afghanistan, which was good. But but for the most part, Donald Trump was a complete failure. Um, but he did stop that fake the onslaught that they were going to use labeling everything fake news in order to censor. And I'm convinced if Hillary Clinton had won. We would have had this fake news censorship that we're seeing now through the term misinformation and disinformation. We would have seen that happen then instead of now. So it's been delayed. And now we're seeing uh, the corporate press and the political elites use this word misinformation and disinformation as a weapon um, in order to censor people, in order to propagandize the masses, and to control their message. Of course, by doing all of that, then they retain their power, they retain their wealth, and they retain control. So th- that's what it's all about. And, you know, it's w- what it comes down to. And I'm going to get into talking about Spotify and Joe Rogan and, and that whole mess there. Um and I mean, I'll say sort of as, as I as I wade my way into that um, with the whole Spotify controversy, and I'm not going to rehash it. You guys are all, you know, well uh, informed individuals listening to this. I'm sure you've heard many other podcasters talk about this, so I'm not going to go into the details of it. Um, but I'll just talk about Joe Rogan's response. Of course, Joe Rogan responding to Neil Young, and now many others. Um, now the rest of, uh, you know, Neil Young's, you know, Crosby, Stills and, uh, and Nash have taken their, uh, music off Spotify as well. Uh, Joni Mitchell took her Spotify, took her music off Spotify. Uh, there's been other people. I really don't care about any of them. Um, although I do enjoy some of their music, but really like, I just don't care that they took their music off Spotify. What I do care about though is Spotify's response. Now, Let's talk about Joe Rogan's response first. So 
We saw the way Donald Trump responded when he had this thrown in his face. He picked it up and used it as a weapon. And he basically said, you're going to call me fake news. I'm going to call you fake news. It's sort of this way that Donald Trump persuades and influences and manipulates. Um, he, he is a, you know, master manipulator. People joke about the, you know, 7D chess and all that stuff, but he's good at getting media attention and getting them to say, getting them to go in the direction to an extent um, th- that he wants them to go in. Of course, there's limitations on that when you have no allies in the media for the most part. But anyway, so that was Donald Trump's way of dealing with it. He just picked it up and hit them over the head with it. Joe Rogan, he was just himself. He was Joe Rogan. And uh, you know, very nice guy talking about what he tries to do, um, why he started the show, how he just started to you know, talk to his, you know, fellow comedians and friends and just kind of built from there, you know, him going out wanting to talk to other uh, interesting people. And one thing led to another. And before you know it, you have 11 million people listening to you. And that's, that's incredible. I mean, I, I think that kind of gets glossed over the audience that Joe Rogan has. And really one person, I don't think in the history of the world has built up on their own that kind of influence. It is remarkable. Um, Joe Rogan and his way of communicating should be studied. I'm sure it will be. And there'll be books written about it and, um, all kinds of, uh, you know, different studies into the way that Joe Rogan has, has built this media empire just by being Joe Rogan. And of course, in true Joe Rogan fashion, he's very nice. Um, he's had nothing bad to say about Neil Young. He even told a funny story about how when he was in, in high school and he worked at a concert venue and there was a Neil Young concert and, you know, there was fights and he was working security and, uh, he was trying to break up the fights and they were starting fires in the lawn and all this stuff. And he, um, you know, just put on his hoodie and got out of there because, you know, you're not getting in a, in a fight or getting thrown in a fire for 10 bucks an hour. Um, and then he said he listened to keep on rocking in the free world on the, uh, on the drive home. So, I mean, could you do a better response than Joe Rogan? I, I don't think it could. And he also, I think equally important, I mean, how Trump went back aggressively, Joe Rogan went back, he called out examples saying, you know, they label this stuff misinformation, you know, but if you said this, you know, a year ago, that vaccines don't stop spread, you would have been kicked off of Twitter. If you said a, a year ago that uh, COVID probably came from a lab, you would have been kicked off Twitter. You would have had your YouTube demonetized. Now those things are out there. So things that were labeled misinformation then are now part of the accepted narrative. And he pointed out the people that he had on the show um, who are largely, you know, being who, who are the, the main reason for, for the elite pointing the finger at Joe Rogan, um, uh, Dr. Malone and uh, Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough, you know, th- th- that is the reason they went after him. And those two individuals were saying these things a year ago. Um, so what Joe Rogan, his response was was excellent, but it didn't have a, a pushback. Um, it just kind of was, it just kind of had the, the stop and, you know, neutralize and, and the push. And that's why I think the push will continue, unfortunately. And, you know, I'm not going to go into details on, on, uh, this next topic here having to do with Spotify, but, you know, myself, and my fellow lions, um, this is a, uh, a business that we have here. We started it, you know, just for, just for fun. Um, and to, uh, stop annoying our, our friends and family by talking about, uh, liberty and politics. Um, that's what drove us into podcasting. But now, you know, we have a huge amount of people, um, in our support groups, uh, in our pride on Patreon and on locals and, um, things like that. And now you get advertisers who uh, want to advertise on your podcast and they want to give us money. And yeah, all of a sudden you have money. And this becomes a business. And now there's business decisions that go with the business because, you know, you don't want to lose what, what, what you've built up and you want to try to grow and get bigger and bigger. And that's all we're trying to do is grow our influence right now, really. Um, of course, growing our influence while staying true to our principles, um, which some people, you know, some people don't mind uh, sacrificing principles in order to grow. But that's not the point of this. Um, but so we've been currently, we're, we are with one uh, podcast hosting platform. There's other ones out there. There's ones that are, you know, more friendly, easier to, to sort of advertise with 
and help you find advertisers, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so Spotify has one of those types of setups where um, their podcast platform does make it pretty easy to to advertise. And um, maybe we could have made a little more money, um, whatever. And that's that's really not, not the point of uh, going down this path here. But Spotify's response to this whole fiasco was to was to say and and you know Rogan came out and said that he agreed with it which I he probably does I I don't think it's a good idea is they've come out and said hey what we have is this uh misinformation hub um and you know the people at Spotify say it, it's just facts it's just where you get facts about covid which okay what what does that mean Facts about COVID. Because as I just talked about earlier, the facts are always changing. And for the people who are supposedly giving us the facts in the corporate press, the, the ABCs, the NBCs, the CNNs, the, you know, the New York Times, the, all of the, you know, the, the central figures in, in driving this narrative. I, I haven't seen too many facts from them. I've seen opinion. I've seen them carrying the water for the regime. Um, I've seen them, you know, supporting uh, people losing their jobs. I've seen them supporting these mandates, supporting the vaccine passports. I've seen them supporting all of this. I don't see facts coming out of this. I don't see data, and I, I don't expect to see that. I don't expect to see data, but I mean, they, Spotify says like facts, like oh, oh, it's just facts. Like, well, what, what kind of facts are you gonna have? Well, go look at their. Um, at the the COVID information page, I'll link to it on the show notes page. And what do you have there? Well, you have a podcast here that is called Fauci on how this ends. That's the second thing that comes up on the page. What what are the facts on that? Fauci's a propagandist. That's not, there's no facts there. Do do I want to have a podcast? And if you're listening to this on Spotify, maybe you'll hear this and uh, you'll hear the the COVID warning and be sent to this page or they'll tell you about this page. What else is on here? I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff from the BBC, Politico, CNN, ABC News, Bloomberg, The Economist, uh, The Guardian, Politico, Johns Hopkins, The Atlantic, CNN. Uh, Freakonomics, Wall Street Journal. I mean, this is just all left-wing crap. There's no facts here. This is left-wing propaganda. This is misinformation. This is fake news. So they are combating their so-called misinformation with more misinformation. And it all comes back to 2016 when Hillary Clinton, I'm not saying this is her idea, but maybe it is, um, laid the groundwork for this. So this has been in their, you know, this has been in their plans for a long, long time as a way to, to fight back and, and to control, uh, the, the information outlets. I mean, I've, I've been wondering and trying to figure out for a while how they're going to really, you know, get their handle, get their arms around how decentralized media has become. And I don't, I don't really think they can, but they're certainly going to try. And this is how they're going to do it. This will be one avenue, uh, to do it by silencing dissenting voices through labeling it misinformation. So this is not the end of it. Um, it's not going to be, Oh, it's just this COVID guide that you got, you know, the, this podcast, they talk about COVID. So by the way, go check out our COVID fact page. And that's it. It's not going to stop there. It'll go into to climate. It'll go into economics. It'll go into everything. It, it'll go into everything you can talk about. And you know, it won't just be Spotify doing it. It'll be Apple doing it. It'll be it'll be every podcasting platform doing it. So what I'm trying to figure out now is what is the response? What are the ways around this? What are the ways to protect ourselves? our audience and our message because I don't see a clear path continuing. And I don't think this is imminent. It's going to, you know, everything's going to you know be censored within the next week or something. I think this will happen over years, but it, the die has been cast. 
this is not going to get better. Uh, Spotify is not going to, like a month from now, it's not going to say, oh, well, you know, Omicron went away. So I guess we can just take down that COVID-19 misinformation. uh, You know, we can take down that fact page that we have up because they won't. It'll it'll just evolve and, and it'll grow. And you have, of course, of course you do. I mean, it's not a news story unless you have uh, the redheaded stepchild of the White House speaking out. And that, of course, is Jen Psaki. Uh, Jen Psaki, her response to Spotify saying they're going to show some facts, allegedly facts, misinformation, more like it. She says, this disclaimer is a positive step, but we want every platform to continue doing more to call out miss and dis information while also uplifting accurate information. I mean, look at the facts. Oh, Jen, I'm so glad you pointed out that way, Jen. Just look at the facts. Just look at what Fauci says and CNN and MSNBC and ABC. These people wouldn't lie to you. I mean, these last two years, were there any lies? These people didn't lie to you the past two years. They've been telling the truth the whole time. It's not like they lied about, you know, uh, masks it's not that they lied at all about the about the the VAX. There's been no lies there. It's just been above board. You know, maybe they've looked over some things and some things have changed, but everything's been honest. Come on, it's it's this is insane. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's not insane. Take a brief ad break here to hear from one of our sponsors. My one of my favorite sponsors that we've ever had. Um, I trust capital. And if you guys have, you know, a 401k, if you have a, uh, an IRA, a Roth IRA, anything like that. And actually, I just changed jobs. So I got a, a big old 401k that I got to figure out what to do with. And I think it's going here. I mean, it's, it is, it is going to go on I trust capital. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. So let me tell you about them. I trust capital. Um, they are, it's a way to self trade cryptocurrency, physical gold and silver in your retirement account. Like I said, you can use traditional traditional IRA, Roth IRA. And you know, whether you're holding your assets long term or you're buying and selling with the market, I trust IRA account provides the lowest transaction fees for buying Bitcoin or any other digital currency. You can invest 24-7. You can be on there all the time. Um, obviously it's crypto, it's not just with like the markets. So you can trade all weekend, whatever you want to do. And uh, the transa- transaction fees, this is great. They're all up front. You see them and you know everything settles in seconds. They have right now 25 crypto assets. Might be higher than that now, but it's always growing. They're always adding more crypto assets and their pricing, like I said, it's transparent. You see the fees right up front. Uh, very secure. I trust uses Coinbase custody and Curve to secure the digital assets. Uh, they have over... 1,500 positive reviews on Trustpilot. And, you know, just to kind of just give you a little bit of extra incentive there to add a little spice to the, uh, to the pot here. Um, if you sign up, um, w- through our affiliate link, which is I trust capital slash lions, you're going to get a hundred bucks of Bitcoin. That's I trust capital slash lions. You get a hundred bucks of Bitcoin and you're going to get a, a crypto report. Um, that, that is, uh, you know, it's going to tell you everything you need to know about crypto. So go to I trust capital slash lions, get a hundred dollars in Bitcoin and start making money 24 seven trading crypto 24 seven, um, sheltering yourself from taxes. Okay. So I trust capital, love them. I got a couple more COVID type things that I do want to talk about. Let me just make sure I didn't miss anything up top here. Ba, ba, ba. I think I got all that stuff. So. Should be no surprise at all. Um, talking about masks, and I hate masks. I hate everything about them. Every day that goes by, I hate them more. I was just talking with my wife about this today. Actually, she brought it up that, you know, sometimes your mind will just drift off and you'll be like, God, people wearing masks. This is so ridiculous. Like, this is so ridiculous. Like, why are people who aren't sick walking around in masks? Doesn't make any freaking sense. Makes no sense. It's been such a, it's such a a mind, just, it's, 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 it's hypnotic. People have been hypnotized to think that these masks are somehow protecting them. 
Well, there is zero evidence. There's never been any evidence presented that masks work. There's no studies that prove that masks work. And, you know, I hate the charts and the graphs because nobody's influenced by charts. But every single chart you see shows there's no difference. So whatever. I'm still going to cite them even though nobody cares about them. But that doesn't stop just, you know, terrible people from, you know, coming out and still shoving these masks down our throat. And, you know, I know because, you know, we're going through this in our in our schooling with our daughter in our school district. They still have masks in place. And when I was still um, in my old job, when I was in the office, uh, I actually left right as they were really pushing masks back in on, on everyone. Um, so I was happy to get out of there, but we're still dealing with this in our school district. And it's which I, it's things are very heated at the, uh, the local school board meetings. And, you know, people get very upset about this, that there's yelling and screaming. But w- why would there not be yelling and screaming? Like, this has been two years of, you know, muzzling children. You're lucky it's only yelling and screaming. Like, I, I listened to uh, part of the last board meeting, and the, uh, the school board uh, president is up there. He's saying... What happened was one of the school board members resigned and the anti-mask people all cheered and they said, oh, this this is inappropriate. This isn't a football game atmosphere. It's like, you got to be kidding me. At this point in time, with zero evidence of masks doing anything for a virus that 99.999% of kids are not affected by at all and don't spread to anyone else. Um, you're lucky it's only yelling and screaming and creating a football atmosphere. I mean, seriously, this is insane. This is, it's complete insanity. But max, masks will go away in some areas, some cities, some things, some behaviors, some, uh, some things that you do on a daily basis. You won't have to wear masks. Others... Uh, you will have to, I think, maybe for ever, possibly. And the chief financial officer of Ryanair, which apparently is an airline, which I would never fly because I'm sure it's terrible. And it's probably old planes that are just waiting to fall out of the sky. But this guy, uh, Neil Sorahan, he's the uh, he's Ryanair's CFO. He says masks will be something that will be with us for a while longer to come. If that is the price we have to pay for the next few months into summer, it's a small price to pay. It's been it's been two years, you son of a bitch. It's been two years. Um, it's a bit like after 9-11. We ended up with our toiletries and plastic bags, which was insane. It's me adding that, not him. Um, maybe we'll have to live with masks for a while longer. So this guy probably an idiot. Um, you know, when, when people get in this position, they lose the ability to, to think and, uh, communicate in, uh, in, in human ways. And it all just becomes corporate speak. But the next guy, the CEO of, of Ryanair, um, this is not corporate speak. The quote I'm going to read from him. This is just an un- unhinged lunatic who is at the head of a company somehow, which I don't know how that's possible. Well, I know how it's possible, but it happens all the time. But here, here's what he said back in December, on December 21st of 2021, which if you don't know, that was a little over a month ago. If you also don't know, that was into the swing of early Omicron when there was definitely, definitely enough information out there at that time to know that not only Omicron was much, uh, much weaker, but of course it was much more contagious. And of course, anybody who was reading any sort of, uh, you know, news off of Twitter, you know, actual, actual news, you know, looking at, you know, studies cited by, uh, like, a, like an Alex Berenson, um, or a, uh, Steve Kirsch, any of their substacks or, you know, Dr. Robert Malone, any of that stuff, uh, Peter McCullough. If you're getting information from any of those sources, which are all apparently misinformation, you would have known definitely back then that, you know, vaccines did not stop spread at all. 
And in fact, there was a lot of evidence pointing to the vaccines creating more spread. There's even more evidence on that today. When you start looking at Africa, they're like 8% vaccinated and Omicron, like nothing. It was like nothing in Africa. And uh, you're actually seeing some people get very sick uh, with Omicron in the U.S. and also in the U.K. and some of these heavily vaccinated countries. And a lot of these people are vaccinated, double, triple vaccinated, boosted, whatever you call it. I don't care. Um, but what this guy said, I just went totally into a rant off of right before a quote. Ah, it's going to be one of those shows, I guess. So what this guy said, he said, if you're not vaccinated, and what's what's his name? I want to get his name right. I don't. I freaking don't have it here. Oh, son of a. Well, it's on the uh, it's on the show notes page. I'm gonna find this guy's name. Oh, Michael O'Leary. Michael O'Leary. Maybe he was drunk. He's an Irishman. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Irishmen and women. I, I mean, even if you like to drink, I, I don't mind. I like to drink. And if you get drunk too much, you know, it's really not my problem. That's your problem, Brian McWilliams. <laughs> But what this guy said, just just completely insane. So if you're not vaccinated, you shouldn't be allowed in the hospital. You shouldn't be allowed to fly. Let let me repeat that again. He says, if you're not vaccinated, you shouldn't be. This is a CEO of a airline. I don't say major airline because I don't know anything about them, how big they are. But it's an airline that makes money, allegedly, and people give them money and they fly up in the air and very risky stuff, Um, you know, very, very, you know. This is an important thing. He's the CEO of an important thing. And he says, if you don't, if you aren't vaccinated, you shouldn't be allowed in a hospital. You shouldn't be allowed to fly. You shouldn't be allowed on the London Underground, whatever that is. You shouldn't be allowed. I guess that's the, uh, the subway in London. You shouldn't be, maybe it's the, the dance clubs in London. I don't know. It could be both. You shouldn't be allowed in the local supermarket. So I guess you can't eat or the pharmacy either. Actually, he does, he says you can eat. You know, just you can't work, you can't do any of these other things, but you can get food delivered to you. So you can sit in your home and get food delivered and, and not leave. That's what this psychopath wanted to do on December 21st when it was very, very clear that vaccines did nothing to stop the spread. Nothing. And maybe even enhance the spread. And I think we do have some evidence of that now. And I'm sure there'll be more to come since Omicron is literally everywhere. There's nowhere it's not. Um, it's it's definitely on the uh, the downward trend in the U.S., which is cool. So that's good news. So I think that's it for. Well, I do have. I so I got one more story I want to talk about. I want to talk about the the, the truckers a little bit. Uh, the Canadian truckers, and you know, there's talks of of a U.S. Um, trucker response as well. I want to talk about that. I will have a little more COVID. Um, when we talk about some good news, because there are there's some there's some decent stuff happening out there. But first, like on this Canadian trucker rally over the weekend, which is I believe still going on in, in Ottawa today, and uh, is also um, affecting other parts of Canada, which I'm going to talk about. Um, but just like at a at a high level, you know, when I look at what's happening with the truckers and. Uh, Really, the only way to see a lot of the coverage was to go on Twitter and just watch, you know, independent media, just people with their phone, you know, shooting video of uh, all these Canadians along the highway, standing on bridges, waving signs as this, uh, you know, mass caravan of truckers went by. And I, I got to say, it was, it was awesome, man. I, I did actually watch maybe even more. There's a lot of Instagram too. That's, I, I follow some, some good Canadians there who uh, have done a great job covering it. Um, it's it's been awesome to watch and it like it gets me fired up but at the same time I'm like I don't know if this is going to end well like I really cuz I can't picture how it's going to end well what the truckers have done is and I think people forget this everything that you consume comes from a truck basically um, at some point, it's on a truck. That's why they're so powerful. But with power also comes the ability to have that power um, really flipped on you, and you can be turned into a villain very, very quickly. Now, Trudeau, and I think very Trudeau's very, very stupid, and he must not have good advisors um, because he really 
the the way if I was Trudeau and I was wanting to maintain control and maintain you know whatever the he's obviously wanting everyone in the world to get you know seventy five time vaccinated. If that was me and I was him, I would not have responded the way that he responded by calling the truckers racist and uh, you know saying they they hate women and. They hate the Jews and uh, I, I don't even, it was just all kinds of crazy stuff, calling them Nazis and fascists. I, I don't, I mean, none of that made any sense. There was like one or two, um, it was like a Confederate flag and a, a Nazi flag, like one or two in the whole thing, which probably were, were feds. I mean, it's, or plants or, or whatever you want to call it. So like he put all his balls into that court when he could have just like sat back and really said nothing. He could have just said, I stand by what I stand by and just like said nothing. But instead he started, he, he sort of, he sort of made them into, because it was so absurd what he said, I think I got more people on their side, which you would think is good. And it's like, it's weird for me even to say this. Like I'm still working this out of my mind, but there's just a huge, huge risk here. You know, I'm, I'm a risk analyst for a living. And when you look at risk, you look at probabilities and you look at impacts. And I see an increasing probability of there being significant supply chain problems in Canada and in the United States, even if the U.S. doesn't do um, a uh, you know a similar a similar trucker rally, which I who knows if it's going to happen or not. But I've seen I've seen some stuff on Twitter that it's coming. Um, obviously, our supply chains are very intermingled. Uh, we get a lot of our, a lot of our beef and meat and bacon and all kinds of stuff from uh, from Canada. So a lot of food going back and forth between the U.S. and Canada. And there's actually a uh, there's a blockade right now in Canada. Like 150 trucks packed with beef bound for the U.S. are stuck at the Canadian border, um, and they've been stuck there since I want to say Monday. So, I mean, these are probably, these are sure these are refrigerated trucks, but like, you know, that's, that's not good. And like what, what, what the risk is and the probability of this risk occurring is getting pretty high is that you're going to have massive blowback. Like it's, it's, it's similar to the, to U.S. foreign policy. You know, it's similar to the, when the U.S. goes into a country and, you know, even if they're going in, with, you know, good intentions. I did air quotes there. If you're not watching the video, good intentions. Um, just imagine they were like, imagine for some crazy thing, there was like one mission the U S could do and they had to go in and, but they had to use firepower to get in there and <clears throat> maybe they could save a, a city from terror. I'm just making stuff up. Uh, this stuff isn't real. Um, <laughs> save a city, from, but they, well, this is what they sell to, you know, they sell to us, um, through the corporate press, but, Let's say they could happen. Even if they could do that and they saved a city, there would still be, you know, people who were killed. There'd be innocent civilians who were killed. And th- there's blowback that's created by that. In, in, in that instance, it's terrorists and it doesn't necessarily, you know, come back right in your face immediately. You know, maybe it, uh, it boils up, uh, to the surface, uh, months or years later, which of course happened with 9-11. Um, this blowback that I think is going to come from the truckers and like, like I, I think it's a good cause is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's a bad cause. It's a blowback from a good cause. Um, you're going to have crazy supply chain problems. You know, people who can't get food, uh, people who, you know, are, are running out of food and you're going to have a lot of anxiety. And that's why if I was Trudeau, I wouldn't have really said much at all because you can just wait and, you know, like the leftists say, like Rahm Emanuel said, never let a good crisis go to waste. You have a crisis right there. You got a food crisis that's been caused by the truckers. So at that point in time, they, they've already sort of given up their, uh, their power. They've given it away because through the, the means that they've decided to protest, um, they've created a crisis. Now, like I said, I'm in favor of what they're doing. Like I said, I was cheering what they were doing. But with this still going on, um, this is not going to end well. And it's not going to end well for, you know, regular people getting food. And you're certainly 
not going to accomplish any of the goals you set out to because you've given away all of your, you know, your cat, your, your influence. You're giving away all of your capital. You, you have, you have nothing to offer anymore. Um, other than getting back to work and, and delivering stuff. Like that's so like, what was the goal? What did you want to change? You wanted Trudeau out. That was never going to happen because Trudeau could just sit back. I mean, maybe, maybe. Maybe there's an outside chance Trudeau steps down. So, okay, best case scenario, probably at this point, best case scenario is Trudeau steps down. There probably is still a supply chain crisis, and then someone else has moved in. And maybe it's someone from the right, but probably a lot of the same policies will remain in place because it's still the regime. You know, it's it's not like it's it's a, you're not changing the system. You're not getting a new system in place. And systems produce the same output. You know, it might look a little different, might have a different face on it, might talk a little different. Um, different people might support it. Different people might be against it, but it'll be at the end of the day, the same thing. So I don't really, and, and people say, well, what should they do? What should they do, John? I I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I just don't think that, you know, and maybe this has raised some awareness, but but will that all be lost and will that all be, you know, all, will that all be for naught when it flips around and there's a food crisis caused by this form of protesting? I don't know. It's just, it's just a big worry uh, that I have. And, you know, I'll be interested to see how things play out. Um, I would recommend if your freezer is not full, fill it. Um, if you don't have a freezer, buy one. And, uh, Unfortunately, it's not hunting season anymore. I don't think anywhere because it's the middle of winter. Maybe, maybe in the south it is. Um, if you can't hunt, go out and uh, get your own food right now if you don't have it in the freezer. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things. It's weird because I, I, I love the idea behind it. I, I, I was getting excited and I'm hoping to get on the show next week to, to talk to a, a trucker who participated in this. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to ask difficult questions. And maybe by, you know, next week we'll, we'll know more and maybe I'll be totally wrong. Maybe Trudeau will have stepped down and the government was dissolved and, uh, they've divided up their territory into 15 different republics. And maybe I look like an idiot. I hope, I hope that's what happens. And maybe this whole supply chain thing, maybe things get back up and running very quickly and there's, and there's very little impact. I hope that's what happens, but I really highly doubt. Um, that's going to be the outcome. The problem is nobody thinks this stuff through. No, no people don't think think things through uh, with a risk mindset, and that was the problem with COVID. People didn't think through it logically with a risk mindset, and of course, you have the propagandists influencing things, and you have evildoers influencing things. So that kind of you know muddies up the waters of doing your risk analysis. But it, it could still be done. Many people still did it. I know a lot of people who clearly saw what was happening and did their own personal real risk calculations for themselves and their families and decided, you know what? We can just keep on living our life. This really we don't need to change anything. Um, some people, you know, maybe you had a family member who was at risk and had some you know, comorbidities or maybe you're overweight. You know, maybe you, you made a different risk assessment. But uh, for the most part, people didn't make risk assessments. They just listened to what they were told to do and hid in their houses for the past two years, which is sad. Sad for the kids. The adults, I'm at, I'm at the point, I, I don't know what to tell you. Ho- hopefully people wake up, but I just feel bad for the kids and all this at the end of the day. How about some good news? So I've been talking for a while um, about bad stuff that's happening, about things that, you know, even though they seem like they're, they're exciting and awesome, you know, they might not end well. Uh, I've been talking about um, really how we're up against the wall as as a country and how people like myself, podcasters and content creators and people who are trying to change the narrative, push back on the narrative, blow up the narrative. Not literally. I'm not talking about not blowing anything up. Nothing. I promise you that. Uh, <laughs> will not do any anything, anything like that. Um, want to change the narrative. Want to disrupt the narrative. Um, they're being completely torpedoed with misinformation, these labels, and disinformation, as Jen Psaki would say. It's important to say the miss and the dis. 
miss and the diss. Otherwise, people might not know what you're talking about. You'd be like, oh, just misinformation. That's not that bad. Oh, but disinformation too. Oh my God. Both. Doing both of them on that podcast? Well, put a label on it and let's tell people what's happening. But things things are getting better in some areas. And I am an eternal optimist. I know listening to this podcast at this point in time, you might say, John, you're a liar. You're a pessimist. I'm not. I'm an optimist. And one thing I will say is I definitely was getting pretty down in the dumps over the past year or so um, watching this thing play out. But um, some changes I've made with my career and different influences in my life, um, I would say if you are feeling down in the dumps, you're feeling hopeless, surround yourself with people who are innovating, who are doing big things, who are working on things that have a possibility of really changing the world and making the world a better place. Um, that's what I would, there's lots of ways to do things like that. There's ways even just to donate your money uh, to causes like that. Uh, so I, I, I would recommend looking at ways that you personally can move the needle. And it's important on a, uh, on a mental level. Uh, people, one of the things that leads to depression in my opinion, I'm not a doctor, but in my opinion, my experience is when you have no progress, when you're stuck. And that's why these past two years have been so tough on people. Because everyone's been stuck and they couldn't make any progress forward. So make some progress in your life. Find some ways just to find some wins and move the ball forward. And uh, that's that's going to help you tremendously, help your outlook tremendously. And I am an optimist. At the end of the day, we will win and uh, they will lose. And that's going to happen. How that happens, I have no clue. I have no clue how we get there. I have some ideas, which I'm not going to talk about now. But that's where we are. And the good things happening, I mean, you look at, and I, I will say before I talk about you know good things happening with COVID, before I get labeled as someone who's saying things are unraveling, I don't think there's any unraveling happening. I just think we've reached a point in time where the narrative that was in place needs to change in order for the regime to maintain the control that they have. So it's not like everything's unraveling and so I'm going to fall apart. And then all these good people are going to get in power and everything will be great. And we'll sing Kumbaya, clap our hands and dance around. It'll be you know wonderful. Um, that's what people on in the Republican Party would, would want you to think. Um, that's probably what people um, in the Mises Caucus would, would want you to think. And I love the Mises Caucus. I love the people in the Mises Caucus. Those are my people. The Ron Paul people, uh, the Dave Smiths of the world. Those are my people. Those are people I, I agree most with. But I just think that structurally there's a lot more that needs to be changed than just shuffling the deck. The system that is there um, needs to be changed. And, you know, we can talk about that another time. Changes of the system, you know, that could be proposed, can be made, that could, that could give us all more more freedom and uh, autonomy. Autonomy? Autonomy. <laughs> autonomy. Um, Self-ownership. Uh I mean, there's things that, that can be done, but uh, shuffling the deck, you know, shuffling the uh, the chairs on the Titanic, I don't think are going to help too much, especially with where we are with the Federal Reserve and uh, and our currency and just massive inflation that, that is that's coming down the road. But anyway, to talk about the good news, I keep keep teasing it. So this is not unraveling, but you see the UK, Denmark, Sweden. Finland, um, getting rid of their uh, their mandates, their mask mandates, their their vaccine passports. That's good. I'm not going to say it's not good. I, I love that. I love to see that. It's become so obvious that having this stuff does, doesn't do anything, that they can't maintain their power continuing to do it. That's good. I mean, that's a good thing. I don't want to wear a mask anymore. I don't, I don't want to be forced to inject a pharmaceutical. Uh, but let's keep our eyes open and know that they will do that again at the drop of a hat. So let's keep that in mind. Let's not just think, oh, well, 
everything's unraveled. We don't have to worry about that anymore. It could come back like that, and I'm sure it will. And also, like you look at cities like Denver. So Denver's gotten rid of their uh, vax mandate. They've gotten rid of their their mask mandate, but uh, they're still keeping kids in school masked, which is insane. The lowest risk category, talking about risk assessments, lowest risk category um, has the highest level of mitigation against the virus. Make that make sense because it does not make any sense. That's just scared people who don't know how to lead making decisions. And that is a recipe for losing your freedom every single time. Uh, but there's other good things. I mean, you have we, we do have some good people in uh, in the Senate and Congress. I've got Rand Paul, Thomas Massey. There was an article in uh, in Reason um, this week uh, talking about a restaurant in D.C. Uh, the Big Board. It's a weird name for a, uh, a restaurant. The Big Board, which is a bar on H in the H Street neighborhood of Washington D.C. Uh, they had their liquor license revoked. And they were shut down for refusing to enforce to enforce the COVID-19 mask and vaccine mandates. And Rand Paul comes in and uh, you know gets a gets a nice burger and uh, gets some fries. Um, unfortunately, they didn't. They should have served him a beer anyway. It's, they said they didn't because they never looked at license. Maybe they did, and they just said they didn't. Maybe some nice you know nice uh, Kentucky bourbon, hopefully. Uh, a kid can dream. A kid can dream that uh, Rand Paul got some bourbon in this bar. I'm going to choose to believe that. And, and Thomas Massey w- went as well, and they're, they're supporting this owner, which is great. It's great to have people like that in politics who are standing up, doing things that if you or I were there, we would be doing the same thing. That is good. And that is why, I mean, one of the reasons why I support Republicans like that. And you know, I also support libertarians who are, you know, going into uh, into the political arena. Uh, I support Shane Hazel, who's just on this show. I don't know if I would do exactly everything what sh- how Shane is running his campaign, you know. But Shane is outstanding. He's an outstanding messenger for liberty, and and I mean that. And he's also an exceptional guy. Um, so. I will never do anything to stand in Shane Hazel's way, even if I sort of disagree with the way that he is choosing to uh, choosing to use politics to influence the conversation. Um, I might, you know, criticize things from time to time in a polite way. And uh, same with Dave Smith. I, I think Dave Smith is, is the best messenger for liberty. And if he chooses to run for president, um, I might criticize, you know, some things he says, but that doesn't mean I have anything against Dave Smith. I think he's fantastic. And I just said he's the best messenger for liberty, so why would I not think that? And the Mises Caucus, I just said earlier that, you know, they're the Ron Paul people. I'm a Ron Paul person. I remember when I first started getting really interested in politics, I literally changed in my Facebook profile. I changed myself to a Ron Paul Republican. And uh, and then I went to the Libertarian Party. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, I don't even know. I mean, I'm a, I'm definitely a small L libertarian. That's without a doubt. But I'm in a place now where I look at I'm looking at tools. What are the tools to conserve and advance and enhance individual rights and uh, bodily autonomy and, and liberty? And um, how can we do that? Is it you know picking up a uh, you know this this uh, local commissioner seat? Um, with a, with an R next to it and, and, you know, trying to get some influence over that. Um, is it supporting a, uh, local libertarian campaign for a, uh, you know, for, for, for a local seat for a, uh, oh, what's the name of the, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even think of the name of the seat I was thinking of. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is there's many different ways to, uh, sort of influence, especially locally. And I, I just wish that more small L libertarians would not get so into saying uh, the duopoly, duopoly this, duopoly that. They're both the same. They're really not both the same at all. And if the two, if the last two years haven't made that clear to you, uh, then you should get your brain checked uh, because the left, the left is at war with you. 
The left hates you. Everyone on the left, basically. Even the people in the middle on the left, they, they don't like you. They think you're insane. The vast majority do. On the right, um, you can find a good amount of people who, who are at least going to agree with you, at least be able to empathize and relate to how you formed your opinion. And if those people are in the Republican Party or if they're in the Libertarian Party, then they're allies. And uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with making allies, man. That's what life's all about. Life is all about making friends, influencing people, and uh, advancing liberty. And that's the new name of my podcast, Winning Friends, Influencing People, and Advancing Liberty. I'm joking. Should be, though. If anyone wants to take that podcast name, just give me 10% of the proceeds, and you can have it. All right. So I've been talking for 54 minutes. Well, that's long enough because it's late here. It's been a heck of a week. Let me tell you, I started a new job last week. A very, very intense job. I like it. I'm not going to say the name of the company, but I'm very excited about what uh, what this company can accomplish in the next uh, next few years. And uh, I'll leave it at that. That's part of what I've changed um, to be around more people innovating. And uh, it's good. It's uh, it's a good way to to lift up the old the old morale because I, I was getting pretty pretty beaten down with uh, just the. The politics and bureaucracy of uh, just a regular corporate job and getting in more of a startup atmosphere has been a breath of fresh air. So I'm going to let you guys go. Before I do, though, I want to tell you about another great podcast. Um, One of our supporters, Jacob Winograd, um, he's been a supporter for a while and he has a podcast called Daniel 3 Biblical Anarchy. Now, what Jacob does is uh, he has a, it's an ongoing evaluation of how Christians should view the state and human authority, as well as diving into the principles of libertarianism. So you're going to get a taste of both, which is good. If, so even if you're not a Christian or you're just curious about how Christian libertarians um, are able to um, really mesh mesh the two things together, which which I think is a very interesting conversation. So they also he also explores the entanglements between church and state, which I think is a very misunderstood topic, um, in order to bring Christians and the church back to practicing the mantra of no king but Christ. Uh, there's episodes about philosophy, anarchism, politics, economics, and also great guests. So check that out on any podcatcher out there, Daniel 3, Biblical Anarchy. Um, just want to remind you guys, um, you know, like I said a couple of times um, during the show, our supporters have helped us out tremendously to get us to the point where we are, and we are thankful for each and every, every one of you. If you would like to become a supporter, you know, I think we have the, the best offerings of any, you know, bonus content out there. We have a, a show called Conspiracy Corner which is about once a month. And it's, uh, it's honestly, it's one of my favorite shows to listen to, to listen to in the whole lines of Liberty network. And it's a bonus show. And then degenerate gamblers, um, that is winding down. It'll pick back up, um, in the, uh, the springtime, we'll do some baseball stuff, but it's mostly a fall time show. It's, it's every week in the fall, degenerate gamblers with myself, Brian McWilliams and Rico. And, you know, we do talk a lot about gambling, but a lot of it, it's just talking about current events and what's happening and telling funny stories from our life and, and from college and, and, and all that good stuff. So definitely, uh, definitely worth checking out. Plus, almost every single one of our interviews is live streamed, um, either through a YouTube unlisted link, which you can, which you get act- access to on Patreon or locals or to our Facebook group. So if you're on Facebook, not on Facebook, you can watch interviews live. You can ask questions. You can comment. You can, you can do all that good stuff. Um, and, and we have, you know, in our Lions of Liberty store, um, you get a discount there. And at certain levels, you actually get some merchandise. So our Lions of Liberty store is lionsofliberty.store if you want to check that out separately. And if you want to join uh, the Pride, you can go to patreon.com slash lionsofliberty, or you can go to lionsofliberty.com dot locals.com and join there. I, I like both. Uh, I really, I, I really do like locals though. Like I, I didn't know what to expect when we, when we uh, got set up there. I just like the way that their uh, webpage is set up and it's easy to post. And 
Um, hopefully it's easier easier for you all to to navigate. So check it out. Um, check out either or or join both if you want to. Just feeling crazy and you want to join both. There's no benefit joining both, but you can. So th- that's that's it, guys. I really do appreciate you know everyone listening and giving me the feedback to and motivation to do some more solo shows. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I will probably be back with a guest next week. I've got a couple that I'm uh, that I'm working on. I've got some more big time guests uh, coming up, and uh, yeah. So with that, I will I will leave you. Always remember to keep your head up, and the fires of liberty burning.